Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to dismiss the children as well through first grade. This morning we have a little bit of a treat. I want to give uh, our friend and brother Brandon Owen uh, a little bit of an introduction. You know, they're in 15 years of being uh, a part of church planting in central New York, there has been a large contingent of people that God has given us, uh, many of us, including myself, an opportunity to get to know, to work alongside of, uh, and uh, just see God work powerfully in, in, our, in our region all these years. And I, I will admit as well, though, there's also a very small group of people that have been there every step of the way. And uh, who we have preaching this morning is someone, we see his mug up on the partner screen uh, every, what, six-week rotation? I don't know what we're on, uh, with our partner prayer time. Uh, but really, uh, it's important for us to have him here. Why don't you just come forward uh, and finally have an opportunity for the first time to, to preach the word as one of our partner churches over at Clay Community Church. But, you know, it's, it's Brandon, it, for me personally, it's just been one of those guys that have been a part of this since day one. Uh, I remember the first time I showed up at Missio in 2010, and uh, he was dominating connections and knowing all the new people and just serving, serving heart and soul alongside his, his lovely bride, Elena, and just and now his growing family. Guys, I could go on and on here. Bottom line, we have a faithful pastor, a faithful brother, and a dear friend of mine that, and many of you that are here to deliver the word. Uh, so please, let's welcome him. Let's receive him uh, as a gift from God. Is that good? Tremendous. Good. Over. Great. Well Appreciate <laughs> Glad it, to have you, man. Thank Love you. you. Preach. Preach the word, brother. <laughs> well, uh, it is a joy to be with you this morning. Um, I will add to what Micah said. So last night, I am organizing my closet, because what else do you do in the new year, right? You get your closet all cleaned up. And out of the back of my closet is this beautiful blue t-shirt that said Catalyst Evangelical Covenant Church on it. Now, for those of you who don't know, this was actually when I met the Maisie family. They were planting a small church at Nottingham High School, and our um, children's ministry went over to give their children's ministry folks a rest. And so grateful to be partners and brothers in the Lord with you for many years. Um, but beyond that, true Christian unity is today that a brother would invite me to preach on the day that our rival football teams play each other at 4.05 for playoff implications. And I'm wearing blue and green and silver for that reason. And sporting... <laughs> Maybe Christian unity has an end, but not today. It doesn't, brothers and sisters, not today. Um, it, honestly, it's been a great joy uh, to get to know the Maisie family. It has been 15 years that my wife and I moved here from South Florida to be a part of helping um, encourage, strengthen, and uh, grow with Missio Church downtown. Hello. Um, we have been blessed uh, regularly to hear of your faithfulness here at Renovation Church. I bring greetings um, and great prayer and encouragement from Clay Community Church this morning as they are praying for you. I've heard of your tremendous ways of living faithful lives of worship. 
Uh, but furthermore, hearing about your sacrifice in love for this community and sending out of Covenant Church and countless others as they've gone from here. But I was reminded a few Sundays ago that the work isn't done yet. That the work isn't done yet. And I proudly wear that shirt all over my community. Um, my family and I um, live in Kirkville area. Um, but I, I grew up in Seattle and my wife grew up in Georgia. And the Lord in his uh, funny sense of humor brought us to a place where um, you have to wear closed-toed shoes, honey. I'm sorry. <laughs> We've been married 18 years. My wife and I have been. We've adopted nine blessings, which has increased your attendance by 10% this morning. And um, you're welcome. No problem. We moved here, two of us, two dogs, and two cars. And we now are the two of us, nine more and countless animals on the farm at our place. And uh, over the last eight years, I've had the great joy, privilege, and honor of serving in a, uh, at Clay Community Church and helping to revitalize a congregation there um, that would live to represent the gospel faithfully in the town of Clay. And we're excited to be partners with you in that. And so uh, that's just a little bit about me. I'm sure I could tell you stories upon stories for days, but um, we're not here about me. We are here about the Word of God this morning. And so let's do this. Let us uh, pray and ask God's blessing upon his word. Gracious God, thank you for your faithfulness, your steadfastness, and your mercy. Lord, thank you that your mercy is more. Thank you, Lord, that although we were sinners in need of grace, Lord, you loved us. You loved us so much to send your son, whom we just celebrated his incarnation, Emmanuel, God with us. Father, we pray now this morning as we prepare for the, the newness of, of a year. Lord, I pray that you would remind us by your spirit, Lord, that you have made us new through the work of Christ in the midst of our life and a regular ongoing work of your spirit. God, I pray you would renew our hearts. Conform us into your image. Help us to love you, to trust you, and to obey you more and more each and every day. We pray in God's grace, by the power of the Spirit, and the one true Savior, Jesus Christ. And God's people said, Amen. So I recognize as I look out among you that some of you may not realize or remember what I'm about to talk about. You see, when I was a kid, I got a radio for Christmas, and I loved listening to the radio, as do my kids. The difference was that when I was a kid, you could not just go to iTunes and buy a song if you wanted it. You could not just go to Amazon and download whatever you wanted. No, if I wanted to remember and save a song, I had to catch it on the radio and record it on tape. Who remembers what a tape cassette is? Great, some of you, wonderful. I wanted to make sure that I had every Michael Bolton song, every Boys to Men, Brian Adams, Genesis, Reba, Alan Jackson, Garth Brooks, and Bonnie Raitt, and the list goes on. If you don't know those names, your parents haven't cultured you. <laughs> Each and every day gave me a new opportunity to record a song and the reason I wanted to is because I wanted to remember them. I wanted to listen to them over and over and over again. And I would sit at the weight of the radio to come on to hit at the right moment, record and play at the right moment, and then stop before the DJ came on. 
And yet in the waiting, I heard many, many other songs. And the hope is that one day, I would have the ultimate perfect mixtape. For those of you under 40, that's called a playlist now, okay? Just wondering. Sometimes I would miss a song. It would, I would hear it in the background. I was pulled away by chores or school or dinner. But no matter how long it took, and many times I missed it, I resolved to get it on my tape because I wanted to remember and hear them. And that's what we think about typically at New Year's. We want to remember what has occurred and look forward to what could be. We recall what has been going on in the midst of our lives, but even in the midst of our world. In the last three years, we've thought a lot about it. And this morning, we're going to take a look at uh, Lamentations chapter 3. And what we're going to see is is a lament. And if you're not familiar with lament, lament is simply this. It is a prayer that is cried out in pain that leads to trust. Lament is a prayer cried out in pain that leads to trust. It's not my definition itself, but if you have a book uh, by Mark Rogop, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy, This is how he helps us to understand that. You know, we reflect a lot upon the year's shortcomings. You think about all the things that you wanted to get done but did not. The projects left unfinished, the failings, and things we wish we did but didn't get to do. We think about last year's resolution that we failed on in February. Think about what could be in the new year. We look forward with great hope that maybe, maybe this will be the year I keep doing what I promised myself to do into March. Well, we need to understand that the author here writes with a context as well. You and your life, you have a context. There are things that are going on in the midst of your life that bring you here today, and you rest in the midst of that context to hear the Word of God applied to the midst of your life and your situation. And I have good news for you, brothers and sisters. This morning, God desires to speak directly to that situation and apply his word in his way to your life. Uh, Lamentations is commonly agreed that it was written by the prophet Jeremiah. And Jeremiah uh, spent his entire life prophesying to the people of Israel in Jerusalem, telling them, make way the straight, make your way straight to the Lord. Come back to him. Don't do this. Follow the Lord. This is what he says. This was the role of a prophet. Thus says the Lord. And he tells the people over and over and over again, listen, calamity will come if you don't obey the Lord. 30 plus years. That sounds like an exhausting mixtape on repeat, doesn't it? Well, he writes the book of Lamentations as Nebuchadnezzar, the Assyrian army, has come and decimated Jerusalem and taken away the people into captivity. And he writes as a weeping prophet, now looking over his city that is no longer has gates, doesn't have the promise that it once did. He feels like I prophesied forever and this is what it came to. The Lord did what he promised, but it was not what I wanted for them. And he stands on a hill and looks 
as the gates are on fire, the temple is destroyed, the people are gone. It's a destitute circumstance, doesn't it? it it's rough. That may be where you are today. You may have had a difficult year. You may be facing difficulty in the days to come. But this all leads Jeremiah to something that is unbelievable and gives us great hope in the midst of it. And so we open up to Lamentations. And we begin in chapter 3, verse 19. We're going to be 19 through 27 this morning, actually. Prophet writes, beginning in verse 19, he says this, Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for man that he bear the yoke in his youth. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. Amen. Amen. The prophet Jeremiah, as he sits and recalls all that has happened in all three, two and a half chapters up until this portion, is calling to mind the context and the tragedy that he is reflecting upon. And he begins this center portion of Lamentations, which is the pinnacle and the peak of this entire book. And he begins by remembering where he is. He is recalling the affliction of his life. Now, many of us don't need to go far or long in the midst of our lives to remember the difficulties that we've been through to recall that which has caused us at times our greatest sorrows and pains and heartaches. For some of us, we're trying to avoid them at all costs. We're hoping that this new year will put a, a, an end to what was before and start anew this new year. But we need to understand something that Jeremiah, as he writes this here in Lamentations this is not a prayer that is cried out after, long after the heartache and the affliction is occurring. No, it is cried out right in the midst of it. Right in the midst of Jeremiah's this, uh, pain and heartache, he is crying out. He is having a pain-filled prayer of hope. I'm remembering my afflictions and my wanderings. I'm remembering the bitter taste of it. And he says in verse 20, my soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. For some of us, our pains and afflictions are so deep that our souls are bowed down within us, feeling as though we cannot lift our eyes. 
we may find ourselves there today. And if not today, I promise you by the words of Jesus that there will come a day that that occurs. In this life, you will have trouble. But take heart, Jesus says, for I have overcome the world. And so Jeremiah, in the midst of remembering his affliction, he says my favorite word in the entire Bible, but. He says, but. Which means that the previous two verses are not the end. They are only that which helped them transition to something that is better. We think about this anytime we, we hear bad news, that there was a car crash, but everybody was okay. I missed my flight, but I got another one. It's a transition that although what came before may not have been exactly what we were thinking, there was something else that came along that we may or may not have expected and it changed what came before. But as he stands over the fiery city of Jerusalem, Jeremiah says this, but this I call to mind. In the midst of the tragedy, he recalls the faithfulness of God. He remembers his afflictions, and in the midst of that, he recalls the faithfulness of God. This I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. This faithfulness of God gives him great hope, something to look forward to. And there are three things primarily that, that remind him of this faithful God. The first is God's steadfast love. He says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Uh, the wording used here is the steadfast love is that which describes the covenant love of God. It's a love that no matter what you do, it stays the same. See, when God makes his covenant with Adam and Eve, with Moses and, and Abraham, with Jacob and with Israel, he makes this covenant love with them. And he says, I will keep my side and you keep yours. The beauty about God's steadfast love is that it never ceases, even when ours does. He is faithful to his promises. The steadfast love, a covenant-keeping love, despite the wanderings of his people, serve to demonstrate his faithfulness. But it's not just his steadfast love. It says this, that his mercies are new every morning. They are new every morning. His mercies never come to an end. Though our sins, they are many, his mercies are more, is what we prayed this morning. Have you ever thought about this for a moment, that, that what Jesus has done on the cross is to pay the penalty for every sin, past, present, and future? And his mercy, God's mercy covers over that. Do you know that there are 7 billion people on the planet? If each one of them sins once today, that's 7 billion sins today. That doesn't regard for yesterday and the day before that and the day before that. And there's just currently 7 billion people. Who knows how many individuals there have been over time. Let's go with over a trillion, okay? Which means there's over a trillion sins that God has given mercy to. His mercies are new 
every morning. Have you ever had that moment where you recall your affliction and think to yourself, how could God ever forgive me for this? My dear friends, if that's you this morning, the steadfast covenant-keeping love of God and His mercies are new today. They forgive. They cover. They restore. His mercies are new every morning. And God is faithful to do that. God is faithful to bring the sun to rise and the sun to set, for the birds to fly and for the animals to grow, for the plants to come out of their slumber in the midst of the spring and for the leaves to fall in autumn. His mercies come new every morning. But it's not just His steadfast love and His mercies. Jeremiah says, the Lord is my portion. And his inner soul says that. He is rejoicing in God's faithfulness. And in in the process of recalling the steadfast love of God and the mercies that are new each and every morning, it, it drives Jeremiah back into a living fellowship with his God, an intimate communion. The Lord is my portion, that which I have had possession of, I will hold on to for every bit of it. It pales in comparison, but when I look at my kids and I cut the pie in four pieces and I say one quarter of it is my portion, you shall have no bit of but that piece. I'm serious about that. But Jeremiah here says, no, 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 the Lord is enough. He is everything that I need. Not money, not people, not everything that I've lost. Again, think about the context. He has lost everything. And Jeremiah looks and says, the Lord is my portion. He and he alone is enough. Therefore, in light of God being my portion, therefore I will hope in him. When you have been stripped of all things and you think there is no way out, when you stand in the midst of the most difficult heart-wrenching, gut punch that you've ever experienced, the Lord is still your portion, and He is enough. My dear friends, there have been many times in the midst of my own lives, my life, where I have not instantly recalled that the Lord is my portion. My wife and I have been foster parents for 15 years, and by God's grace, we have had Um, over 30 kids through our home in that time. And there have been days and nights where we have prayed and prayed and prayed. There have been circumstances and situations where we did not understand why the Lord did what he did in terms of placing kids or returning kids or bringing them to us or sending them back home. But here's what I know. The steadfast love of the Lord never fails and he and he alone is sovereign. That doesn't mean that in that moment I understood. It doesn't mean that I agreed, because I did not, okay? But it meant that I had to choose and recall that the Lord is my portion, and whether He gives or takes away, He is enough. And so we recall the faithfulness of God, even in remembering our affliction. But we resolve to make the Lord our portion. 
You resolve to make the Lord your portion. We're, this is the time of year, of course, we talk about resolutions, right? To, to make a, a, a resolve in the midst of our, of our heart and our constitution to say, I am going to do something. You may be thinking about that today or even into tomorrow. You're going to hear it for the next week. How, what was your New Year's resolution? To be a better person, to go to the gym more often, to stop drinking coffee, to actually not be a Steelers fan. Like there are really good resolutions out there. <laughs> Whatever it is, you make a resolve. Jeremiah had a resolve to make the Lord his portion. And by God's grace, and I hope that by his power, that you, as you consider what comes in the new year, would not just make a frivolous resolution that you think you can do in your own power. Because the reality is, is that our heart and flesh will fail. We will grow weary of going to Planet Fitness. But if we resolve to make the Lord our portion, not for the new year, not this great overarching, yes, this is the year of the Lord, I will make him my portion, but in small, ordinary ways each and every day. That on Tuesday, when you wake up and you go to work, the Lord is my portion. His mercy is new today. That on March 13th, you would say, the Lord is my portion. He is enough. His mercy is new today. That on July 15th, September 1st, December 12th, whatever the day may be, that you would resolve this year not to better yourself, not to consider what the life might look like if you cut out something or add something or begin a new routine, but that you live in absolute dependence upon the Lord each and every day. Resolve to make the Lord your portion. Well, as Jeremiah remembers his affliction, he recalls the faithfulness of God, and he resolves to make the Lord his portion. He readily awaits the goodness of God. He readily awaits the goodness of God. Look at verse 25, if you would with me. He says this, that coming out of making the Lord his portion, he says this, the Lord is good. <laughs> Hold on a minute. You're, you're staring at a burning city. You're staring at people who are being completely persecuted, taken away in shackles. You have just spent 30 plus years telling them this would happen and they did not listen to you. And the thing that you say is the Lord is good. The Lord is good, regardless of circumstances, friend. But look at this. He is good for a reason. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. He is good to those who wait. You see, Jeremiah is declaring this in the midst of his suffering. My friends, I don't know where you are today. I don't know what affliction and suffering looks like in your life, whether past or present or what the Lord has for you in the future. But one of the greatest things that we can do as Christians who have our hope and portion anchored steadily in the Lord is as a suffering Christian, we should wait upon the Lord in the midst of it. 
Suffering Christians do more than just suffer. They wait faithfully. Now, I know that this is difficult. It's uneasy. It's uncomfortable, and it doesn't feel like you are doing anything. Have you ever sat and waited on the Lord? It didn't feel like he was doing anything, did it? Well, maybe if I, maybe if I do this. I'm a firstborn type A personality. I have to do something or it feels like nothing's going to happen. If I don't get out there, if I don't do something, nothing's going to happen. Let me tell you something, friends. You aren't doing anything as you wait for the Lord, but I can guarantee you He is. The Lord is doing something, whether it be in the midst of your heart or in the midst of someone else's, whether it be in the midst of your life or in the midst of your church's life, whether it be in the midst of your community or in the midst of this world, the Lord is at work even while you wait in the midst of suffering and difficulty and anguish. Even as you wait in the midst of joy and excitement and a season of celebration, the Lord is doing His work. My friends, to suffer as a Christian and wait upon the Lord is called active patience. You don't think about it that way, do we? But active patience and active resting in the goodness of God. If the Lord is our portion, and we resolve to make the Lord our portion, and we rest in Him, then we are actively having patience, resting in the goodness of God with hopeful anticipation, hopeful expectation that one day our affliction or trial will come to an end, that the Lord will have His way. Why? Because we believe in the steadfast faithfulness of the Lord. Eleven years ago, a little baby was born and brought into our home. And like every child who comes in, we pray. And we pray, and we pray for these kids. And after a very short season, he was returned home, which is the goal of foster care. And we prayed. And we prayed, and we prayed for God to heal our hearts, to do what he will in the midst of this family's life. And by God's grace, we continue to work with them for three and five and seven years, eight years, nine years, ten years, eleven years. We work with this family to care for, to proclaim the gospel to them, to love them well. All the while, praying. Now, if God doesn't answer our prayer in the way we want, is He still faithful? Yes, He is. Our prayer always was for the beauty of the gospel and the glory of God to be had in the midst of that life. Always. By God's grace and His mercy, we've been allowed to care for that family and that group of kids and although our prayer was both for a, the glory to be known in God's family, for that family to know Christ, um, we ended up with those kids back in our home. That wasn't always our prayer. Our prayer was for God to restore a family, restoration. We serve a God who restores and 
re, re, uh, brings restoration to things. But if it's not so, then may he bring it in another way. And by God's grace, um, in his plan, he brought those kids to be in our family. And we're grateful for that. But let me tell you, 12 years of praying makes you wonder. God is faithful. And so we had active patience in the midst of that. Not always hopeful expectation, I got to be honest with you. Not always, God, I understand what you're doing. This looks right. But we awaited the goodness of God. And let me tell you something, that story is not over yet. Those kids have yet to grow. They still have yet to understand the things of God, but we still pray those things for them. It's not just that God is good while we wait and we have active patience in the midst of that. But 26, it goes on and it says that it is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. You see, both of these sentences begin with it is good, that the Lord himself is good. And it is good for us to wait upon his salvation for his bringing. Jeremiah, little to his knowing, didn't realize that it would be hundreds of years before the people of God returned to Jerusalem. Do you think those people didn't wait and pray and beg the Lord? The Lord himself is the only one who can bring salvation and it is good for us to wait on it. There are some of us here this morning that have been praying for family members for decades upon decades. You've been praying for your, your lost boss, your, your neighbor, your in-law. You've been praying for your friend. You've known them for years and you are waiting for their salvation. You're pleading with the Lord, please God, help me to teach them. Help me to love them. Help me to show them the love of Christ. And it's not happening. That does not make you or God unfaithful. We wait with active patience, anticipating that God will move. And it is good for, those to, for us to wait for the salvation of the Lord. For it will be glorious and beautiful. You see, waiting is not a waste, my friends. And so we should readily await the goodness of God. Because the space between suffering and restoration is a beautiful time of sharpening, of molding, of tremendous pressure, and yet honing. My friends, don't desire to rush getting through these things. When I was younger, I wanted to get through suffering so that I could be okay on the other side. What I didn't realize was that I was just hurrying to the next point of difficulty as opposed to waiting and learning what the Lord desired to teach me. You see, waiting is good because God is worth waiting for. My friends, waiting is good because God is worth waiting for. His rescue, His salvation will come in due course. And so in the waiting... Surrender your plans and all your purposes to the God of purpose and sovereignty. The plan of God for you in this season and in his timing is for you to be right where you are. Resolve to make him your portion. And so I want to leave you with this this morning that as you go into this new year, 
as you consider all that God has in the midst of your life and circumstances and situation and what you're looking forward to, I would ask you to do this. Resolve to remember. Resolve to remember. Make a decision. Own to remember the steadfast love of the Lord. Resolve to remember the new mercies every morning. Resolve to remember each and every day in the face of your afflictions or in the face of your greatest joys that the Lord is the one who gives or takes away. In the mundane of your everyday life, resolve to remember God's goodness. In the extraordinary of that moment, resolve to remember the goodness of God. When it feels like God is there and He's listening and He's moving in the midst of your life, resolve to remember His faithfulness and your active patience and perseverance. When He doesn't feel like He's there, resolve to remember that God is making a way that only He can. I think of the psalmist in Psalm 42, 5 and 6 when he says this, is he preaches to himself these words, why are you cast down, O my soul? Do you see the posture, the same as Jeremiah's, this soul that is um, bowed down within him? And the psalmist says, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him. My salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. But look at this. Therefore, I remember you. Resolve this new year and every day this year to resolve to remember the faithfulness of God. You see, this is a, a reciting of something each and every day. We recited this morning the Apostles' Creed, something that I, I must understand that you do often. And we do that. Why do we do that? So we might recall and remember these things, right? When I was a child, my, my parents taught me a, the bedtime prayer, right? Um, at, at the bedside of my table, it was one that we recited over and over and over again. And so here's what you resolve to do this year, to rehearse what I know to be true about God. That in the face of joy or in the face of, of sorrow, that we recite what I know to be true about God, that the steadfast love of the Lord never fails and his mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. And this fight, my friends, because that's what it is, as you begin tomorrow, as you wake up from trying to stay up till New Year's, which it looks like about half the crowd well, good job, nice. I won't, I won't make it. But as you begin Wednesday and next Friday and the Tuesday after that, that each fighting day, you would wake up and recite, the steadfast love of the Lord never fails. You resolve to remember it. That you would battle through those thoughts and those difficulties. Like, God doesn't love me. Really? For God so loved the world that he sent his only son to them? Or the, the fleeting thought that, oh, man, is God really going to take care of me as I, as I suffer through this job loss? Or as we add another child, is God going to care for me? And as he looks at you and says, you are more valuable than the birds of the air and the flowers of the field, and I make them beautiful and provide for them. I care for you. Or maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking, God has abandoned me. He has forgotten me. For I will never leave you nor forsake you. He says, maybe 
just maybe, there is something tragic and difficult coming. Maybe you're in the midst of it and you think to yourself, there's no way that this could happen to me. There's no way that this could happen to my family and that God could still care about me. My dear friends, I'm here to tell you this morning and each and every day that the Lord knows you, He loves you, and He cares for you. And He uses these purposes, His plans in the midst of our lives to demonstrate His glory, to draw us closer to Him, and to remind us each and every moment that we are dependent creatures upon His grace and His mercy. And so in the midst of that moment, cry out to Him. When you think that you can't take it anymore, remind yourself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will hope in Him. You see, God's Word this morning encourages us, reminds us to remember the promises of God, to resolve to remember each and everything, and therefore have hope. As you begin this new year, brothers and sisters, as you begin um, this... uh, annual ritual that we do of trying to make it to midnight and celebrate a new year come. I have good news that whether it be midnight last night, midnight tonight, or midnight tomorrow, the Lord never fails. He is faithful and true. Preach to your hearts, interpret our pain through the lens of God's character and His mercy. And the greatest way that he has demonstrated that is through Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning and you have yet to know who Jesus is and what he has done for you, I pray for you that today would be the day of salvation, that you would understand the mercies and the steadfast love of God. If that's you this morning desiring to know more about that, come see me, come see Mike after service, come see see Ethan. May today be that day. And if you're here this morning and you rest upon the promises of God, may you begin this new year resolved to remember the faithfulness of God day in and day out and therefore have hope. Let us pray. Gracious God, creator of heavens and earth, thank you so much for who you are. The Lord, the Lord, faithful and true, abounding in steadfast love but by no way lets iniquity go unpunished. Lord, these are the words you declare about yourself in the book of Exodus, and it still holds true today. Your character and who you are does not change. Therefore, we are not consumed because the steadfast love of the Lord never fails. His covenant promised to send one who would carry the sorrow and pain and affliction and punishment of his people, has come Jesus Christ, the righteous. And Lord, now that he has come, was crucified, died, and buried, raised again on the third day to new life, and is now seated at the right hand of the Father, we have newness of life and hope that the grave is indeed empty. Lord, remind us of this great truth that in the face of whatever affliction, whatever difficulty, whatever worry, Lord, whatever anxiety that comes our way, that we could declare that the Lord is our portion and therefore I have hope. Lord, may that be the call of your people each and every day.
For as we do that, we live qualitative lives that are distinct from the world. And we put on a sweet aroma that is different than what they're used to. Lord, and as we do so, we demonstrate your fruit, a patience and a kindness and a joy, even in the midst of difficulty. Father, I pray that that would be the case for all of Christ's people whether here at Renovation Church or any other faithful gospel-believing church and preaching church in this community and around your world. Father, for truly, your desire to take the gospel to the ends of this community and beyond is not finished yet. And so, God, we pray and hold fast to your promises that call us out of darkness and into your glorious light, but to be a light among the darkness that continues to proclaim your goodness, your grace, and your mercy. Father, may it be so, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.